Welcome to the Live Treasure Podcast, brought to you by Treasured Ministries, where every week we coach you with steps of faith you can take today to change your tomorrow. And now, on to today's show. Hey there, I hope you are having a great day. I want to introduce today's topic. Um, We're going to be talking about mindset today. And to do that, um, I have interviewed uh, Michelle Niehart. I'm, you know, I'm so thankful for the body of Christ because in areas where we need help in, I'm just so thankful for um, these women that are putting out these resources that are super helpful. And Michelle has written uh, a book. She's co-authored it with Denise Pass called Make Up Your Mind. And it's going to be all about mindset. And I've already pre-ordered my copy. And, you know, I know this content is is going to be amazing. And I wanted to share it with you. And, and here's why. Learning how to um, have the mind of Christ, to take your thoughts captive, to renew your mind. You know, we talk about that a lot, but do we talk about how to do it? So Michelle's book, and you know, Michelle is an expert in her field. She's been a mental health professional um, for over 25 years. She's taught marriage and family integrating. She integrates faith in in such a way that she is able to really help people. She runs a Christian counseling center um, that has about 15 counselors in it. So my my point in sharing this all you is that she knows her stuff. And today she's going to share with us a little bit about um, why mindset matters and how to renew the mind, how to have that perspective, how to practically do that. Again, we talk a lot about renewing the mind. Everybody who is well-versed in Scripture knows that that's a part inside of the Bible, but, but how do we do it? And I will tell you that for me personally, that having emotional, I think they call it like emotional intelligence or learning how to process my feelings, that was a skill set that I had to develop over time, and I'm still learning more about it. And I've learned a lot from Michelle, and so I wanted to um, give you that because I thought, hey, if, if this is benefiting me, if I'm being blessed through these biblical principles that she's teaching and really the expertise that she has from her field, then that's something that I always want to share with my uh, audience. Um, Because, you know, for for years, I think that I was just ran with my emotions. And then when I became a Christian, you know, you hear things like you're not supposed to be angry, we're not supposed to be jealous, uh, all these sorts of things. And so whenever I would have those emotions, my knee-jerk reaction was, oh, I should not be feeling this way, and I would suppress my emotions. But now, part of the thing, you know, I talk about this a lot on my podcast, is that God took me through this amazing um, healing journey to break free from codependency. That was my go-to coping mechanism And part of that was him showing me that my emotions 
they weren't bad. They were like engine lights into my soul, like something needs to be addressed. And so emotions aren't bad. Being angry is not bad or wrong or feeling jealous feelings or or all of these sorts of things. It's not bad or wrong, right? It's an engine light into our soul. It's our soul telling us that something needs to be addressed. And if you try to hide it and handle it or push it down and don't deal with it, boy, does the enemy love that. The enemy loves that because you know what? The emotion doesn't go away. And you never get to the root. You never find out the truth unless you process it with God. And this is what... Um, Michelle is going to be talking about uh, with us today. And so so I would just push the emotions down, and then the emotions would pop back up. And boy, if you push anger down, when it pops up finally, it is not pretty. It's much better if you process your emotions and get to the root of it, because um, emotions are, I always say this, they are engine lights into your soul that should not be suppressed, but addressed. And learning how to do that, learning how to process our emotions so that we can be the boss of our emotions, really that we can let the Holy Spirit be the boss of our life, not let our emotions boss us around. Learning how to do that, it's, it's like learning a new skill set. And for many of us, for whatever reason, it could be that you were um, brought up in a home where that wasn't modeled for you. Maybe it was that your mom was not a nurturer. She didn't have the capacity to nurture or something happened, something traumatic happened to her and she just didn't have the emotional um, uh, ability to be able to give out to you emotionally. But really like our, our mothers really... Um, by God's design, I mean, they're the nurturers, right? They're the ones that can teach us how to regulate our emotions. For example, like if you're, if a child um, is disappointed, you know, because whatever, they lost a game or, or whatever it is, it's the mother that can say, hey, I know this was hard, but, you know, you did your best and blah, 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 and tomorrow's another day and da, 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 da. But if you had a mother that just said, suck it up, buttercup, then how do you know how to deal with it? How do you know how to deal with it? Well, you know what? If that happened to you or if, you know what, you just say, I have emotional problems, like I just get triggered so easily, what a blessing to know that that's not the end of your story, that God has given you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is there, the Bible tells us, to help you renew your minds. Ephesians 4 says, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts. And when that happens, our emotions won't be in the driver's seat anymore, nor will we try to suppress them and get into all manner of other unhealthy uh, behaviors. And so my um, Michelle today, I've interviewed her And I I interviewed her because um, she is having a new book coming out, and uh, we've got a link where you can pre-order the book, and she's offering all these freebies along with it. And as you know, 
with this podcast, I never share an author or a resource or a book unless I've been majorly impacted by it. And this is the truth about Michelle Nehart. I'm so excited about all the work that she's doing and just really grateful for um, the the body of Christ and how in those areas where you need help with that there are um, experts out there that, that will help. Now, if you're listening to this um, podcast and you have been listening, you know that last week we began uh, a series on codependence and why they are drawn um, to narcissists and why that's really an unhealthy um, situation. You know, if you've been listening in, that I was going to continue on to that series. When I interviewed Michelle, I thought her content was so amazing. I was like, nope, I'm bumping this up inside of my podcast lineup so that you could hear it today. But it's absolutely essential if you if codependency is your coping mechanism that you become intentional about mindset. And here's why. Um, codependents are often driven by their emotions. And a narcissist knows how to be a master manipulator and he'll play on emotion. And so oftentimes they get a rise out of you. They get you to react to your emotions by becoming defensive, by gaslighting, all those things. So, and, and in the past, you know, before God broke me free from codependency, it was always the other person's fault. This person made me feel this way. You know, I never took responsibility for my feelings. And, and it was true. And there's still people that when I'm around them, that it's hard for me to not want to pass like the buck to them and say, well, they are responsible for how I feel. But here's, but here's the truth. God wants you to walk free. And so in order to do that, we if we're letting other people, you know, be responsible, take charge of our emotions, well, then we've just lost control. But if we can help to build this mindset muscle, it is a place of freedom. Because no longer do your circumstances define your feelings, or other people, you can take your thoughts captive. And through that, you can become confident and cool under pressure and not worry or react to if somebody judges you or if somebody's making you feel guilty. You know, as a codependent, a lot of times we're drug around and we make reactions based off our emotions. And the key is, you know, a lot of times then people say, well, just don't feel guilty or don't worry or don't feel anxious. But you know what? That is impossible because you can't change the way you feel. But as you're going to learn from my podcast guest today, you can change the way that you think. And it does take effort and it does take intentionality. And for a lot of us, me included, it's like a new muscle we have to build. But praise God for the body of Christ and women like my podcast guest today, Michelle 
Nehart. So let's welcome her to the show. Uh, Michelle, welcome to the Live Treasure podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me back. I love talking with you about boundaries last time I was here, and now I get to come back and talk about how to make up your mind. Yes, yes. And that that's an important topic. Um, uh, and, and I want to just first ask you, why is mindset important to mental health? Well, as the very first thing you learn in mental health as when you're in grad school are different theories. And one of the most efficient and effective outcome-based theories is cognitive behavioral therapy. And basically, cognitive behavioral therapy says when you're, you have thoughts that come from what we read, what we see, what people say to us, mm-hmm. and our life experiences, we start having thoughts. And you're not going to believe this, but I laugh. I think it depends on the person. They say we have an average of 70,000 thoughts a day. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing to me. Now, yeah. I laugh. My husband says maybe I have 95 and he has like 35,000 because um, I have 95,000 and he may have 35. Because I tend to be the one like running things and managing things. I know no other woman in a household could relate to that. Yeah, we make thirty. We make thirty-five thousand decisions a day. So our thoughts, mm-hmm. um, the research says, drive our emotions, and mm-hmm. that's what we want. We want our thoughts driving emotions. And um, mm-hmm. one of the things I'm often quoted on saying is, "We're as women, we're emotional." And we want our emotions to be on the bus. We do not want to be someone like a trauma patient might take their emotions off the bus because they don't want to feel at all. You and I mm-hmm. talked a little bit about that before we started recording. Yeah. Um, people who are struggling with an addiction a lot of times are trying to escape and shut down their emotions. So we want our emotions to feel them and experience them. We want them to be on the bus. Mm-hmm. But we as women sometimes can let them drive the bus. And that's a little scary because we can wake up in all kinds of moods, you know? So good, so, Michelle. We want the, <laughs> that. We got to stop right there. We okay. want emotions okay. to be on the bus. We just don't want them driving the bus. And they need to be on the bus because they're, it's a part of God's makeup about who we are. Um, yes. And we yes. can dismiss them off the bus if they're too painful and, and we're, we don't want to deal with them. But also, I think sometimes uh, there's, there's shame that we attach to those emotions. I'm not supposed to be angry. I'm not supposed to be sad. I'm a Christian, right? So let me just shove those down and, and pretend that they don't exist. Do you see that with women that you talk to? Yes, and here's the problem with that. I think about the volcano metaphor for that. So either it's going to implode on us and we're going to get stuck in depression mm-hmm. and things like that, or in avoidance. A lot of times we'll socially isolate, things like that. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to explode into either anger outburst or what I'm seeing more and more is panic disorder. Mm-hmm. And social anxiety is so bad, it's almost crippling. And so, yes, we have these emotions. If we, we can't shove them down forever and we can't numb them forever. I'm talking to a lot of women. I don't know what it's like in the area of your listeners, but in my area, wine consumption has gone up with COVID quite a bit. They've yes. gone from that one glass a night to two to three. Yes. Well, that's yep. a depressant. And if you pour that depressant in your body, mm-hmm. it's going to, even if you're taking a mild antidepressant, you're barely breaking even. I always say that if you walk three to five times a week for 20 to 30 minutes or move any way you want, you can swim, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's as effective as a low dose of an antidepressant. I talk about that in this book. 
But wow. if you're pouring alcohol right beside that, you're counteracting that very thing you're trying to accomplish there. So, so I think it's just so important that we look so, at it. So if yeah. you put on, if you put alcohol in with either walking three days a week or um, or anti or an antidepressant, you're basically negating out the positive benefit of that. Is that what you're saying? If you're drinking more than what's, so the research says for us women, unless you're a very heavy woman or a very tall, large woman built like a man, because it's based on weight. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're drinking more than one serving in alcohol, and this is what I have a hard time in my office with women as we're talking about this. If you go to your average restaurant, the pour is nine ounces. That's two servings right there. So one serving a day is all we get. If we're drinking more than that, we are adding too much of a depressant into our bodies. That's a 12 ounce beer. Here's the other issue that's so hard. Those margaritas have got more than one shot in them. Most of these women who, you know, we like to drink those on girls' nights out, some of us. And some of you don't drink and really respect that. You know, some of some of you do it for because there's there's a history in your family mm-hmm. and you don't want that kind of even the temptation of that damage. Or you may do it because you're kind of like, I love I, my kids have I won't let them taste anything. Because what if they're supposed to be like Samuel? You know, what if they're yeah. supposed to be the person who abstains from certain things because it's part of their calling. So I want them to make that decision when they're older yes. themselves. Yes. And, I, I, and, you know, because I, I'll be honest, I grew up in a family where I was allowed to sip and I've really wondered, did I ever get to really make a choice about this? Because mm. it was kind of just part of my culture. And I want my kids to make a choice. So I've told them that. I, and I want them to be of an age where they're evaluating that decision. And because it costs money, and there's some benefits to it and there's some health benefits to it, but it also costs money and it can be overdone. And it can, my biggest thing with that as a brain health coach trained by Daniel Amen is it's going to affect your brain chemistry mm-hmm. and too much of it is going to lead to a much higher risk. 50% of people over 80 living have either dementia or Alzheimer's. It's going to lead to a higher risk of that. Really? So really? I'm really rethinking that in my fifties. Gosh, oh, whoops. I just said that. Uh-oh. <laughs> now recording. we all know the big I did. Um, yes. I you have these young kids. You were, wait a minute. Yeah. You told me you were just a day over 29. <laughs> I know. And I have these young kids, so everybody thinks I'm in my 40s, but I'm not. That's how you do so much career stuff beforehand. But yeah, I think this is a really important thing to look at. But I want to go back to that mindset because I can chase yeah. a rabbit like yeah. really well. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Thoughts drive feelings. Behaviors drive feelings. If The research says if you wake up every day and make your bed, you're going to feel better and more productive than if you don't. I'm still working on that one. So if you're feeling like that's not for you, I get it. Like I end up, I'm a nap girl. So sometimes I'm like, well, I make it if I'm going to crawl back in for 20 minutes later. But right, right now I've started making it more because I have all these big projects and deadlines and they don't get finished. And it's kind of nice to start your day and go, oh, I got one thing done. <laughs> Yeah. You know, but I sometimes yeah. think that about just brushing my teeth, if I'm totally honest. I'm like, I got one thing done today. But I want to go back to this mindset thing. We know that thoughts drive feelings. Mm-hmm. So here's something interesting for you to think about it. How would you like to feel in the morning when you wake up tomorrow? I would like to feel um, excited, ready to go, and confident. Okay. So this is a question I ask my clients often in the office. What do you need to think to feel that way? I need to feel... um, Feel, think. What thought would you think? What thought would I think? I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Awesome. Um, 
That's a great one. Let's just go with that one. So this is the difference. And this is where I think we get extra power as believers. Mm -hmm. We can then take this idea of cognitive behavioral therapy. And when we integrate it with the power of scripture. So instead of you waking up in the morning and seeing how you feel, you drive how you feel by saying to yourself or out loud, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then, I mean, I can feel it in my body when I say it out loud. I have a different feeling and energy in my body for that. So we can choose. This is one of the things I'm really working on is morning mindset. And this does not mean a 45-minute quiet time for you ADD people like me who, like, can't sit still. This may be Alexa, you know. um, I love to tell Alexa good morning, and I have her program to play the Pray Every Day podcast by Mary DeMuth. And Mary reads to me a scripture And then, oh my gosh, it beeped. I thought Alexa was about to start doing it here. She's so well-programmed. She made a noise. Um, But but she literally will play that for me. And then Mary will pray for me. And because Mary lives in my area and is also a personal friend, I feel like I've gotten prayed for for the day. So it's not like you got to crack up in a Bible study. If you got time to do that, if you're like my mom, my mom's retired. She does two Bible studies a week and she spends at least an hour in Bible study a day. And I hope I get to do that when I'm retired too. I right now am getting kids off to school, there is no time for that in the morning unless I got up at 4 a.m. But I can do these simple things to Mm -hmm. to renew my mindset and start it at the day. Mm -hmm. Because then we've got something really powerful because we've got mindset Mm -hmm. added Mm -hmm. to spiritual power. And now we've got something very different driving our emotions. And then we're probably going to have to do some mindset resets during the day to kind of manage that better. To, to pull it back to that. And so, and so basically what you're saying is that um, with, with cognitive behavior theory, which is, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that our behaviors and our thoughts drive our feelings. And Actually, that's my approach. I probably should okay. give it a name. Their, their cognitive behavioral therapy simplistically is thoughts drive emotions, which drive behaviors. Okay. And that is true. How you feel often determines what you do. But I believe in the power of Jesus, we can do certain things and it will drive. Like if I act loving towards my husband, Mm -hmm. I will feel more loving towards my husband. Okay. Okay. I think it can work both ways. Okay. Most Christian counselors who follow my integrative model, like Gary Smalley, John Trent, Henry Cloud, they would agree with it. Okay. I don't know which one of us first thought of that, but we all kind of talk about that. Y- y'all both- all talk about that. And so then why why that is powerful is, is because it's a good thing because then it gives me a choice. Yeah. I don't have to let my feelings dictate um, what I'm going to do. They don't have to be in the driver's seat. I can choose to think differently or I can choose to act. I can choose to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit and whatever that is, like you were saying, um, you know, if it is make, make up your bed or, or whatever it is. And so from that, that leads to feelings that are the fruit of following the Holy Spirit. Correct. Not only that, that gives us a sense of in psychology, we call it a locus of control because we as women spend a lot of time focused on what we can't control. And see, this mm-hmm. is something that with God's help, I believe over time we can control. Now I have many clients come into me and, and they come back the next week and go, this didn't work in. And I'm like, well, how long did you train your bad brain with these negative thoughts? Because we women, we talk mean to ourselves. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. so you're not going to retrain your brain magically in seven days to no. think, to do different. But mm-hmm. over time, 
Now, it's so interesting. Caroline Leaf, who I interviewed recently on the Raising Mentally Healthy Kids podcast, mm -hmm. she wrote a book called um, about, about Your Brain, the first one, Switch on Your Brain, and she said it takes 21 days. And then she wrote another book called Clean Up Your Mental Mess. I really like it. Um, she says now it takes like 63, 66. So she's tripled. And I heard Louis Giglio reference her recently and I laughed. Mm -hmm. You want to know how many days I think it takes? How many? Every day of your life. You're going to have to Amen. make up your mind every day of your life. Will it get easier the more days you do it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But if you think 63 days check, no way. No, no way. way. That's a great no start. But you know what? That happens sometimes. I have clients who come into my office and they, we call it graduating. I don't know why we therapists use that term, but we tell them you might be coming back sometimes to visit, but you've kind of like really learned how to manage depression, anxiety, whatever, ADHD, whatever you're dealing with well. Um, when they come back, I ask them, okay, so when you left, these are the things you were doing. You were doing a morning mindset. You were moving this many times a day. You know, you were attending church. You were part of a women's Bible study. Mm -hmm. You were socializing once a day. And they're like, oh, wait a second. You know what? <laughs> I think I know what I need to go work on already. I may not have even needed this appointment. I just needed to, because we forget. We forget. I need to re-engage my old habits and rituals back into place. Yes. yes. They had lost them over time. I have lost them all recently because I had a hip replacement yeah. and I laid in bed and used drugs, you know, to manage pain. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. was doing just tiny bits of stuff, but I can't, and I can tell you, I started to feel really bad before it was all done. Yeah. And yeah. Now I'm better and I'm moving again and my spirits are up and I'm with people again who remind me of God's love and my spirits are up. I, you know, even though I know some of you are doing church online, I'm headed back to church occasionally. And there's just something about being there that's so energizing for me. Now I'm an extrovert. I got a son. He's an introvert. That's very draining. Online church yeah. is very energizing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. So you probably got like in COVID being an extrovert, it probably like just about undid you with my friends that were extroverts, just you know, uh that that was hard. But I want to go back to this point because this is so critical that you are making. Um, as women, sometimes I think we have this expectation that I should never have an anxious thought again. I should never, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not Good true. Luck with that. We don't know how to do it. We're therapists yeah. and we teach it all the time. Well, and it's it's not biblical. It's right. not biblical. When you look at the way that Jesus interacted with his disciples, there's a reason why he did the feeding of the 4,000, and then he had to do the miracle again with the feeding of the 5,000, because it is only through repeated practice that that we can get it. And so, um, and so, and he says inside of there that they did not yet understand the miracle behind the, the five loaves and the two fish, which, you know, and so it takes while and it takes repeated practice. And so you might as well embrace the journey and say, okay, and start to see it differently that success isn't I'm never going to have a bad thought again. I'm never going to think a self-deprecating th uh, thought. The, the, the success is when you understand, hey, I've got a, a, biblical, um, a biblical roadmap that I can deal with the thing and, uh, and do it. But even in, um, I love this verse in Colossians 1, um, because uh, Paul says that we, ha we have to not drift away from the truth, we have to continue to go back to it. So it's a uh, it's a thing. I think I think that women have these expectations 
Mm. that we should never have a negative thought. And so then you, you pretend like you're not angry. You pretend like you're not scared instead of processing it and dealing it. And this is what this book that you have um, written that is coming out, Make Up Your Mind, is going to help women do. Give them those practical uh, steps that they can um, um, deal with. And you go into different emotions inside of the book, which is great. I love that. Um, So what are some of those mindset struggles um, that you discuss inside of the book, Make Up Your Mind, um, with clients in your counseling office? Well, I love this. And these ideas were my co-authors, Denise Pass, who she starts off every chapter. She helps normalize this. That's what we call it in the counseling office by telling you the story of a Bible character who had the same struggle with that, that mindset, whether it was angry, the angry mindset, the anxious mindset, mm-hmm. the helpless mindset, the depressive mindset. You know, these are real things that we see all the time in our offices that people struggle with. And first to normalize it. And then she, she does give you those hooks, those scriptures that you can use as a tool to hold on to it. And then I come in in a counselor's corner and then talk about, okay, what does it look like to live this out? How do you make this practical? And how do you, how do, you do it every day? What's worked for my clients in the past? What might you try? For example, what if you tried a morning mindset? And it was very short and it was very simple. You don't even need a piece of paper. You can do it laying on your bed before your feet. We taught those girls when we wrote Loved and Cherish. We had this girls camp. So cute. A hundred girls online. Their mamas were thrilled because there was no camp going on during COVID at all. <laughs> and so they were there. And Miss Lynn, Miss Lynn, see, I call her Miss Lynn when I'm talking about camp. Miss Lynn and I taught those girls before your feet hit the floor. Mm-hmm. What are you going to think? How? Are, and this is the thing that Denise and I are really doing different in this book than like a secular book on mindset would be, is how do you align your thoughts with God's thoughts? But I do think this is so important. We really explain, you're going to have anger. In fact, let me tell you this. If you ignore your anger, the the neurological and psychological research says you will loop and it will increase. That's why you'll see that in kids when they say, mom, 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 and you ignore them. Then they're mom, mom, mom. And then they're getting louder and louder and louder because they're looping. And if mom will stop and say, what's going on? I'm mad. And then not just dismiss it, but to say, you're really mad. What are you mad about? Mm-hmm. And let them talk through it mm-hmm. and then say, okay, well, why don't we take a deep breath and just release some of this mad? Cause it sounds like it's really frustrating to you. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I talk about in the book are breath prayers where you breathe in God's love. So let's just take a minute. Maybe if y'all are listening. Why don't we all do it together? Let's just okay. breathe in some of God's love. I do this when I speak, let's just do it. Oh my gosh. It's going to feel so good to put that oxygen in your body. And you're going to calm down your amygdala, which makes you want to fight, flight and freeze. So breathe in God's love. Mm. And then think about some worry that you've been worried about. Maybe it's somebody you love, or maybe it's some finances or just something going on in your life and breathe it out. And it really helps sometimes even to make an audible noise with that. The research says, the research says it takes about 90 seconds to do this. Mm -hmm. Identify the emotion. Don't be embarrassed that you have it. Mm -hmm. See where you feel it in your body. Then after you see where you feel it in the body, You know, I think if we're going to integrate this spiritually, we might say, God, I just recognize that I'm feeling this way. We might just say that in our minds and just involve him in this process. Mm -hmm. And I want to let this go. So I'm going to breathe in your love and I'm going to breathe out whatever this is. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And, and really and truly, if we can do that, now we may not breathe it all out, you know, and if we're kind of one of those people on a scale from one to 10, we go up to a 10 really fast. We do a lot of scaling in the counseling office. You might just breathe it down to a five, but let me tell you what, I'd much rather deal with a five (laughs) an angry person than a 10. And so would the people around you. Yeah. And that's true with your anxiety and everything else. The idea is we talk about this slow changes often. I'm not into a miracle cell. I used to do seminars that were kind of like Dr. Phil's pathways where we went in and we did see people free, mm-hmm. but that's an experience of a moment that has to be reinforced with a lifetime. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. So we, we learn, Oh my goodness. In Jesus, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. we learn these things and some women feel guilty because they know the sense in their heads of an identity in Christ. But what I talk about with my clients and the reason counseling exists is because the 12 inches between your head and your heart mm-hmm. are some, some tough work. There's some deep yeah. work of maybe undoing some lies with EMDR where we're like having you tap or shift mm-hmm. your eyes. Mm-hmm. They may be you practicing talking. Maybe somebody says something about you often and you, you start to say, you know, that's not true. I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. God gave me a great brain and I'm using it. And we begin to just gent- not mean and aggressively, but we begin to speak our truth in love around other people. So yeah. I think this mindset aspect is so important to this helplessness. We talked about that. Helplessness comes when we're really focused only on what we can't control. Mm-hmm. But with God's help, there's a lot of things internally. I can't control if my husband loses his job, but I can control with a big struggle and a deep breath and a lot of breath prayer, how I'm going to react to that. Yes. I'm going to walk in faith in the midst of that. Not perfectly in this kind of, I trust Jesus, amen, but I trust Jesus, but it's hard because my brain also sees the reality of this earth and it's broken and he could be without a job for a while. And that's scary. Right. And we yeah. talk about those feelings and we cycle through them. God knew we'd have them all. He, I mean, and if you have any doubt about anybody being godly, Read Psalms. I mean, yes. David looks manic depressive, like yeah. nobody I've ever seen. He's like, God is my God. I'm on top of the world. And then two Psalms later, he's like, my enemies are all after me. Why yeah. would you do this to me? Slay me now, God. Slay me now. I mean, he is he is intense and he's all over the map. Yes, yes. And he's Amen. supposedly a man after God's own heart. So I think we as women can be pretty freed that we're from the guilt and the shame of that. And instead, though, working towards joining with God, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was so fortunate to learn about an identity in Christ at 16 to 18 mm-hmm. and then ride it out and practice it in my 20s. So, yes, is it pretty locked down in me? Yes. Mm-hmm. But here's something. Uh, this is really vulnerable. I didn't know. I'm just going to say this in the podcast, but I will. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on a medication during the hip surgery. And when I came off of it, I had a horrible neurological rebound to it. It was a, it was a drug for nerve pain. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking things I don't even know where they came from now that I look back at them. I mean, it was insane. I was ready to shut my podcast down because of a bad review. I was worried about some HIPAA compliance issues with the counseling center. And I thought, should I even really be leading a team of therapists? Because I'm at this conference talking about ethics. Mm-hmm. And I'm just ready to shut it all down because it just seems like too much anyway. So I call my husband. Not on my watch, you won't. <laughs> so I Not call my husband in the middle of this. <laughs> I call my husband and I'm telling him this. And luckily I have a man who is so perceptive. He's, uh-huh. he's known me for a long time now. We, we've been married 19 years this year. And he says to me, okay, honey, 
I'm hearing you, and I don't know if you're listening to yourself, but this is not my wife. This isn't how she talks. This isn't how she thinks. This isn't how she sounds. So I need you to go see a doctor because either something they put you on or are taking you off of during this hip stuff or this blood sugar management you've been working on has really messed up your brain. Because right. and, and isn't that great? There was no guilt in that. Not like I'm having a nervous breakdown and I'm doing something really wrong, but obviously something's going on with me neurochemically that's off. And yeah. within a week, I and a doctor got it better. And then in two weeks, I was fixed. But it can happen that, so that's where I want women also to think if something's really off and all of a sudden you're thinking and feeling really different because like menopause and hormones can cause this too. Yeah. I had a woman who came to see me. This is a huge trend these days to do these um, testosterone pellets in the hip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they I've overdid it. They overdid uh, it with her. She comes in my office and I don't even recognize her. She is aggressive. She is agitated. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's take a step back. Because I couldn't just made, you know, gone into cognitive behavioral therapy, talked to her about her spiritual life, because those are all components we work on. I said, what else is going on? And then she told me, I wonder if my hormones are off. I'm like, let's go get them checked. They were way off. They mm-hmm. had they made an immediate adjustment on the spot that day when after they had done the blood work with her. So mm-hmm. I want to give women also permission to say, make sure it's, it's really a struggle you've got and not a neurochemical issue yes. as well. Because I knew that as a mental health professional, but I think a lot of women wouldn't have even thought of that. You know, right. to go to their doctor, they would have thought, well, I'm losing my mind. And they might have let those thoughts keep going. And I got them stopped really quickly with some help. I love that. I love that. I was mad about this. I was like, God, why would you, why would you let this happen to me right now? But let me tell you what, I am grateful now as hard as that was, Mm -hmm. because I went in my office with this teenage girl I've been working with and she has horrible anxiety. She's had it since she was pretty young and it's very hereditary in her family. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I said to her, you know, it must be really hard when your mind wants to do one thing, your heart wants to do one thing. Your spirit Mm -hmm. wants to do one thing and you know what to do, but your body is fighting you every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And she just started crying. She's like, I really thought nobody would ever understand how hard this is. Mm -hmm. My mom thinks I should just try harder. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying as hard as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, man, it just to acknowledge the hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that that experience gave you that gave you that empathy where you could where you could reach out to that and I I want to go back to this because I I think this is really really critical is that um you know the emotion that you had it was like an engine light into Mm -hmm. your soul and had you dismissed that instead of addressed it um, you wouldn't have gotten the the right help that you needed which was which was your body needed to to be addressed. And all the time in scripture, you see that three, the body, soul, and spirit. You see that. You see Jesus healing the body. You see him telling us to turn from um, turn from our sins, right? Uh, through repeated practice, right? And then you see, you see there's that spiritual aspect that we do have an enemy um, of our soul. And emotions are like this engine light, that we should not shove or suppress, we should address and ask God. You said some good things. I love the engine light metaphor, and I love that idea of 
that we don't suppress, but we address. I we love gotta, that. You gotta address them. Really and, hears yeah. you know, I, I go to a therapist. Um, I, you know, like to take care of my body. I got off of exercise during COVID, but I'm back on now, you know. Um, and then there's a spiritual aspect of it. And, and you need all three. And when you look in the Bible, you see Jesus caring for all three, right? He, he taught uh, the people, um, but he also fed them. He paused to feed them. And so... Um, and I would and, add a fourth category, actually, that I talk about in the book. Okay, yeah. And that would be the relational aspect. And if COVID taught us anything, how significant that is. We need Amen. to be around healthy people that point us to God and lift us up in our most inner circle. Mm-hmm. And then we can be equipped and and really in a place of energized to reach out to others well. Yes. Yeah. Um, but our relational energy, it, it either can be an obstacle to us and our well-being or it can really I know that it makes such a difference in my life I'm so grateful and even when I don't have a counselor and you'll find this to be true of a lot of people who are caregivers I and ministers I've always had a coach like I'm working with one of the Proverbs leadership right now Proverbs 31 leadership and she's coaching me and then I ha- I actually am considering hiring two coaches one he is a therapist and a speaker and a business manager and I kind of want to pick his male brain Mm-hmm. about some things as I'm trying to structure business and counseling mm-hmm. and speaking mm-hmm. and writing books and, you yeah. know, all those things as well. I'm just interested to see what his brain, and he's told me he knows what the problem is. And that is that and it's very common. I, I recently was diagnosed with ADHD by mm-hmm. Dr. Daniel, his staff, his staff here in Dallas, when they did a brain scan of my brain. Dr. And I kind of knew it. Yeah. 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 Well, he's like the big wig on that. Oh, I yeah. know. I know. It was oh, really yeah. great that his, he's just opened a clinic in Dallas. So, and I work very closely with them. And so what I learned from that is that I, you know, I, I you wouldn't think I'd had ADHD because I had a full ride to college. I was top of my class. So you don't find that, you know, but, but because I was intelligent, I could compensate but but I still have the characteristics. You'll notice I might interrupt you sometime. If you listen to me, I might chase a rabbit a little bit and then come back around and bring it in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my husband hates that I interrupt him. Um, I have stuff everywhere. It has to be out or I won't remember to take my vitamins. All those things are very common for a... I always think it takes... I wrote about this in the chapter on um, scarcity with... I think it was that one or the one on margin with time. You know, I think it takes sometimes 12 minutes to get to my office. There's no way you can drive it faster than 17 minutes. So I don't know where I'm just going to shave that five minutes off, but I'll think about doing it sometimes. And then I'll think a book devotional entry will take three hours and it really takes me about a half an hour to 45 minutes to do one of those. Mm-hmm. So that's that brain where you misestimate. And why I'm talking about that is because when you know these kind of things about yourself, then instead, I'm not embarrassed about that anymore. It's something that I'm letting God use, but I'm yeah. I'm learning about how he would use those. Yeah. And, and that's part of that is I think my mindset before was I can't manage time. I would probably say that as a woman to myself. I bet there's other women who say things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, I can't manage time. And, and I'm starting to say to myself, with God's help, I can set my own priorities and I can manage time better. But yeah. I need accountability to that. I'm not going to do that well on my own. I'm going to have to answer to somebody. And sadly for me, if it costs me something, I'm going to show up a lot better than if it doesn't. 
I just, you know, it is, it's an investment of not only my time, but my money. And so like, um, one of my coaches, she's really strict. Your paperwork's got to be in. In fact, mine's due Fridays, due the week before, Mm -hmm. or you can't get really, I'm scared. She might cancel the session. I don't know what she does. I don't know what her consequences, but she wants you to be prepared. So you're really accomplishing something. Right. And I'm not that strict with counseling clients because they are struggling with anxiety and depression. We were, I meet them where they are. Right. Right. But but that accountability is there. You had these goals and for the last three months, mm-hmm. how do we help make one that you can truly accomplish in the, I have a sign that says the other six days, 23 hours. They're yeah. very important to the process of change. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love how you bring in that, um, you know, the, these, that there are new skill sets that you're learning. Right. And so um, like learning how to manage your ADHD, all that. And so you're bringing in other people to to help you do that. And that's really the power, I think, of of community is that in the areas that, you know, you're strong, another person already has that and they can they can help you manage it. And it never ceases to amaze me when uh, we get together for our, we have Zoom calls in our Treasure Tribe, and I know you do Zoom calls as well, how just with community, just by hearing somebody else's story, how that will help you to change your mindset and to change the way you're doing things and and to learn this new skill set. And another thing I want to go back to that you said is, you know, these small changes and to celebrate those, really. I mean, like yeah. to see those as... Women and are it's, so bad about not celebrating. Men will brag on what they do. We The research says we don't. And we yeah. need to celebrate because here's why. It's going to kick off hormones in your body that are endorphins and the good ones. And it's going to bring you joy. Wow. And we need to be setting those off. Yeah. Yes. We need one of the questions I ask my coaching clients, because I have about half my practice is counseling and half my practice is coaching these days, working Mm -hmm. with women who wouldn't qualify for a diagnosis. They may be struggling like a lot of them have ADHD diagnoses, but they really don't. They're not they're functioning great. They just want to be like me. They want to function as best as they can. And so I ask them, what are you celebrating this week? Mm. Mm. I think that's a great question. And I think it's a great question to share with somebody what you're celebrating. Uh, my sister and I, she um, writes, Melissa Spolstra, she writes for Lifeway mm-hmm. and speaks on Inspire conferences. And we talk almost every morning and we talk about what do we, ce- like what do we get done that we want to celebrate? And then we talk about what we're planning to do. And so I kind of have a daily coach. We kind of mutually coach each other yeah. on yeah. what we're going to do. And the next day, guess what we ask? How'd that go? That's How'd awesome. Go? That's awesome. And, and that's something we can do. You can connect yeah. with one other person yeah, and and do that and hold hold each other accountable, and then we're not looking at what we can't do, uh, you know, or all that we have to do. We're looking at all that we've gotten done, and it can take away that, um, you know, that that feeling of feeling like you're powerless um, or a victim. So I love too that inside of your book that you're addressing each one of these issues um, because that just helps, and they're. Angry, anxious, depressive, discontented, doubtful, hopeless, hurried, lonely, scarcity, and victim. I am so excited to dive into that. The theme in your book revolves around Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. 
Why did you, now we've talked a little bit about this, but but there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about thinking. Why this specific verse? You know, I thought about that. We thought, you know, the most common one is renewing your mind. And I call that Christian cognitive behavioral therapy is to renew your mind. Yeah. yeah. Um, like it talks about in Romans. But we picked this one instead because I think the idea of just being careful how you think, I think that pushes towards intentionality. Mm. And then also that idea, like you said, um, of the, like the metaphor of the engine light coming on, I think of it as the alarm system. It's going to trigger. And that means be careful because something's going on with that. And sometimes I will feel this feeling and I'll kind of have to sit back and take some breaths and pray with God and think, why do I kind of feel down all of a sudden? Now, sometimes it may be, that's why I want to talk about it. It may be like my blood sugar's low because it can happen with me. I kind of want to be your body. It could be your body. And it 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 could be something as simple as it's the end of the day and you're tired. Yeah. And and you just need to go to bed. I've been working with a nutritionist and I found out that part of it for me is I don't know how I got into these habits. I think part of it, and everybody has to figure out their own way they do food and nutrition. But for me, I wasn't giving myself enough fuel during the day. I was trying to save all my calories for all the good food at night. Yeah. And then I was so tired that I couldn't even make good choices by then because I was kind of, she's like, you're so high energy. You're starving yourself during the day. Yeah. One egg is not enough. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and then sometimes I get busy and I don't get to lunch until late. And then I, I'm like behind on fueling my body. Mm-hmm. And I, some people aren't sensitive to that. My husband could go a whole day without eating and he'd have the same amount of energy. I'm not like that. My, my yeah. blood sugars dip and move around a lot more than that. So, but what you said is true too. Sometimes we start having a lot of thoughts and we just need to go to bed and shut it down. And I'll be honest with you. And I, this is, I can't believe I'm saying this too. Wow. Okay. So when I was really struggling, Struggling in therapy, one of the tools we use is in dialectical behavioral therapy is distraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when it was really bad, I, I, I know I can't be the only crime junkie out here, but I am a crime junkie. If I if God had not called me to ministry, I would probably be a district attorney going mm-hmm. after criminals. I love the law and order and the NCIS. Mm-hmm. But when I had COVID and then when I had the hip replacement, sometimes I didn't even have the energy to read anything or watch anything. Mm -hmm. So I found this, these podcasts that are like true crime podcasts. Uh And here's the thing. If you have really anxious thoughts and you start listening to that, I just get sucked into the story and I can't think anything else. So I would use those to help me fall asleep at night Mm -hmm. when I was going through this medication issue and it really worked well. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes there's a place now here's the thing though you have to be careful with this thing you don't want distraction to become addiction yeah and yeah. that's where I kind of like have to reboot myself it is not addictive for me to be binging Netflix while I'm recovering from a hip replacement right you know? right but now that I'm better and I need to be walking and with my kids and you know writing books and seeing my clients there's, there's not, you know, my husband and I limit ourselves to two episodes a night. The few times we watch, mm-hmm. like, and we're not, we, we could do that. We, so we, here's the thing I work with a lot of grownups on is we have to parent ourselves well. Mm. And it's that's hard. That's and, and that's where I think I remember now that margin piece came into the hurried mindset. Some of us like, that's what I'm doing. I have a hurried mindset because People told me when I was young, I could do anything I wanted, but they never told me, but you'll have to make choices because time is limited. Right. 
And so I still want to do everything I want in a day (laughs) and in a week and in a year. You can kind of tell that by all the little irons I get in a fire. And yeah, I I have to be realistic with that or I'll run my bog down. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think absolutely. And I think for me, like a big, because I was so performance driven for forever, because that's where I got my worth, is that biblically speaking, um, you know, God already has an assignment for me. He has a place for me. And it's the, the Bible says the boundary lines lie in pleasant places. And Mm -hmm. so, it's not striving anymore. I, lo- I love what Eliz- Elizabeth Elliot says, you will always have time for the will of God. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's waking up, God, what do you want me to get done today? What's the most important thing to do? And doing those things first. And then at the end of the day, I'm not feeling like I've been yanked around by email and by everything else. I got the most important things done whether it was something for my family or whatever. And then the rest is, is the rest. And I may not get to it, but there's not this feeling of um, I, I'm not enough because I didn't yes. do it at all. A client asked me, how do you know the difference between rest and laziness? Mm. And this is what I told her. I said, if you're doing what God's called you to do, you're not being lazy. And this was like a weight off of her. It was crazy to watch it in my office. She's like, well, if that's all I have to do, that's not that bad. Yeah. It's all the other stuff, the world. I mean, we can't do everything the world says we're supposed to do. If we sleep as much as we're supposed to sleep, work as much as we're supposed to work, um, eat what we're supposed to eat, be with our families the way we're supposed to, you need like, the research says you need like 278 hours in a week and we get like what, 168? Something like that. There's yeah. not, it does, Time Magazine's got researched on it. It doesn't work. The math isn't there. So I love what you talked about. I read in college a book called The Tyranny of the Urgent. And the mm-hmm. whole concept is you put your big rocks in first, right? You put what's mm-hmm. most important in first. And, and I'm getting back to that more and more. So after this, I have lots of things that, quote, need to be done. They're the yeah. tyranny of the urgent. But if God is ordering my steps, the next thing on my list is to take the walk. Right. And some people would think that's a luxury, but actually if I'm going to talk mental health and movement and I'm going to recover from this hip surgery completely and not waddle like a penguin on a stage in front of some of you one day, mm-hmm. I got to go out and walk. That's yeah. part yeah. of the deal. You know, and that's the other thing I know that your book is going to bring in that piece of hope um, because um, make up your mind it's not just practice positive thinking, right? No, that won't. It doesn't work. The research says it doesn't work. And if you look at the people really? who sell it, the research it, it says helps. it doesn't work. It yeah. helps, okay. but it doesn't, it's not the only component. If you really look at people who are doing, now, yes, do I, I do have clients who practice gratitude. It definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you what, when you add the power of the Holy Spirit behind this mm-hmm. work, Because sometimes here's the thing, and that's where I'm so careful. I could say, I'm going to climb a mountain, you know, I can climb a mountain, I can climb a mountain. Reality is, unless God performs a miracle in me, so with God's help, I might can climb a mountain, but right now, the odds aren't good. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to be, I think that's where God's perspective helps us keep a realistic mindset. Yeah. And it keeps, I give it the tool in the book, even though, like, even though right now I'm struggling with wanting to eat the house, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with God's help, I can make wise choices with my food. 
Right. That's something I'm working on with my nutritionist with. Right. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Such like reality. Yes. I want to acknowledge my experience Mm -hmm. and then state that with the power of God's help. And it may be, it may not even be, I can make better choices. It may be, I am working on making better choices every day. Mm -hmm. You know, it may be more of a process. And I think that's where, that's where the one-on-one or the group coaching, I love that you said that I'm going to give away, if you pre-order the book, one of our pre-order specials is some mindset group coaching. And I thought I'd try it before I gave it. So um, Sandra Dalton Smith, who wrote a great book called Sacred Rest. um, Do you love her? I love that book. We've interviewed her. That book. Yeah. Sandra's great. Yeah. So she did this living Sabbath retreat and I was part of it. And I offered to them, I did a group mindset coaching on Zoom. We had like probably 50 to 70 women in that Zoom room. Mm-hmm. And, but, but what you said earlier is so true. As I worked with, I took volunteers and we worked on mindset issues mm-hmm. and, but, but I globalized them. And if you're struggling with this in this way, you could apply it to lots of other situations. Cause the main theme of this is I feel helpless, right? It doesn't matter if you feel helpless because it's your marriage or because your parents are aging and you're overwhelmed or because your kid is struggling or because you are trying to get a different job and you haven't been able to do yet that the, the, the theme is the same. They're different scenarios. And then we work two together how we could change our mind in that area. Now, I love to do it one-on-one. That's a luxury that I love that I get Mm -hmm. is to help a person personalize the even though Mm -hmm. just right for them. Mm -hmm. And I really, just like I did with you, I said, yeah, you're saying that, but what else, like what's more, you know? I like to have the client think and go a little deeper and, and personalize it a little more. When you do EMDR, a lot of times the client will start with a positive cognition that is like not quite an I am statement. So I'll say, you know, well, if you're happier, what would that mean is true about you? Mm. And then they'll say, I'm free from other people's judgment. Well, there we go. There's the positive cognition that's going to go deep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. There's yeah. the freedom. Focus on the family endorses the EMDR and it's restructuring the brain through bilateral stimulation. It's amazing what it does. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, what I think is fascinating. Every one of those positive cognitions almost, Mm -hmm. you could add in Christ too. And that's what makes it true. I'm free from others' judgment in Christ. Yes. And so some of my Christians will do that. They will add that in to acknowledge that's why. Right. I love that. And I I love love that that. too, because there's these different levels of truth, right? There's like the acknowledgement of the truth. Mm -hmm. And then there's the experience of the truth, which is so much more powerful. And once we've experienced the truth, it gets a little easier to live it out. I do agree with you. Like the lows may, it's funny. I laugh because that's the image when I, when I went to friends and said, I cannot do what God's calling me to do. This is ridiculous. I don't know what he's thinking. I, I know I'm not very I'm not very submissive and respectful sometimes with the Lord. I'm just like, I don't see how this is going to work. Yeah, and yeah. and my friend, when we were talking the whole time, she saw fish and loaves. And mm. I continue to have these struggles like I've just recently had, I was sharing with you earlier. Mm-hmm. And God continues to say, fish and loaves, kid, fish and loaves. Amen. I got this. I don't know why you sweat it. Yeah, so, yeah. And that's where really, I think the power can come in too, because it's like God's truth can trump over the truth that I see and hearing him speak to you personally, you know, and give, giving you that truth. 
um, or asking you to go, to go deeper in those questions, then you know, like, it's not even my truth I'm standing in. It's God's truth. And that that's why we wrote this book, because we wanted something right. out here that was biblical and God's truth. And there's a lot of stuff right now on the power of positive thinking. And I believe in it, but I believe in it this way yes. because it yes. works on a whole nother level. Yes. And it's not perfect. It doesn't mean you're, you won't struggle and your life won't be messy because the enemy is there and he will tempt you. He'll put crazy thoughts in your head. You know, he'll, he'll let me have a bad reaction. You know, he might be up there like Job and just going, let's see if we can take her down. Let me try this, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but God, but I have to keep reminding myself all the time when I get nervous about that. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And ultimately, Job was restored. And I have to trust God in that. Even Amen. if it's not till eternity when I'm restored. Amen. Amen. Well said. Well said. Well, you know what? I love um, all that you're doing. And I'm so excited about your book, Make Up Your Mind, coming out. Um, and you have some goodies. So if you pre-order the book, which I've already pre-ordered my copy. You're so sorry. I'm going to so, send you a copy to give away to your listeners. So yay, yay. You a copy <laughs> awesome. But, um, check in on that mindset coaching. Denise is giving away five free one-on-ones. And then I'm going to do the Zooms in the group where I come in. And, and that's free. Normally, I charge for things like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, I charge $150 an hour for therapy and coaching. And I just, I wanted to give this to women to really help them do the work of talking, you know, and especially sometimes it's really safe. Like you don't want to do it with a friend nearby, but like when you come in in a group around the country, you may know no one, you're kind of anonymous. It's kind of like therapy in that sense. Yeah, and it yeah. gives you a chance to, um, to maybe work something out that you wouldn't be comfortable talking about in another situation. Yeah. And I'll talk to them about that, but that's kind of private. You know what we talk about as much as it can be with that many people in there. I can't guarantee it, but right. I just think it's really important that we we're intentional about working on our mindsets yes. and we're, we're working on aligning our thoughts with God's thoughts. This is awesome. Michelle, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. And I just really appreciate you. Well, I think you need to let me in your tribe so I can talk to your women as they do it. You let me in any time. Oh, in. my gosh. Are you serious? Okay. Well, I'm taking you up on that. Okay. Sounds good. I'll join the party anytime. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. Right. Thanks again. Thank you, Michelle. Bye-bye.